Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome Back to the Tactical Yanks podcast. We're back again another week, and we still have not fulfilled one of our promises of ramping it up to two episodes a week. We've been very busy. Eventually, we'll get there, or we won't. We don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> Listen more. <laughs> Listen more. And tell us, if you guys are enjoying the podcast and you want more of it, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter or in the YouTube comments or whatever. Let us know what, what you're enjoying, because uh, a lot of what we do goes by, you know, what's popular. What, what do the fans like? But Pete, any before we start, I was going to ask how you're doing. But let me just tell everyone one thing right away: we have a lot of good stuff to talk about today. Yeah. One is the great, the good. I wouldn't say great; there were issues, but the good weekend or week that many Americans had abroad. The Uruguay roster, the team we're going to face in June. We're going to talk about the roster. Probably the best breakdown you guys were going to get. I just gave myself a high five for that. <laughs> and then we're going to we want to address also a little bit of a talk of the U.S. men's national team center forward situation, a little bit about Jesus Ferreira, because we've been hearing a lot of hype on him. And we want to address the good and the bad in the player. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, we're going to talk about the news of the dual nationals that broke today as we're recording this on Monday about Marcelo Flores committing to El Tri, Mexico, and Richie Ledesma getting the Mexican passport, but not committing to Mexico. That There's no confirmation or indication of that. Yeah. If anything, it's been denied. But Pete, before we talk about all of that, how you doing over there? I'm doing good, man. Uh, busy working on a video that's supposed to drop Tuesday. So probably once this is out, the video will have dropped already. And it's addressing why we have so many injury issues with the U.S., some possible reasons. So very, very interesting video, very in-depth. So check that out if you guys get a chance. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> it should it should be out by the time you all are listening to this episode, essentially. Yeah. But- but without Freddie Adu or further ado, right? Freddie, I think I like Freddie Adu. Without yeah. Freddie Adu, yeah. Drew from from Kicking You, Drew used to say that without Freddie Adu, and he would start. Oh, his yeah. I don't know where Drew is, man. If Drew's listening to this, where have I you been, man? Drew, I saw that Drew's coming back to YouTube to do soccer videos. I haven't seen him in a while. I think. Oh really? I saw. I think it was on his Instagram. He said he's ready to get back at it. So Drew, if you're listening, do it, man. The more the more soccer content, the better. With that said, now that we 
kind of got off topic and pushed Drew to go back to you to just press him. Over the weekend, and even the week, right, Pulisic is coming out a few performances from Chelsea, which were good, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I believe yours as well. Uh, maybe not as effective in the, the end, the final pass or the finishing, right? Uh, even though he did get a goal, not over the weekend, but before. Um, should have had an assist with, with Alonso as well. But not just that. There are many other Americans that had good performances over the weekend. Haji Wright, again, scored and got an assist. And was good. involved in a third goal too. He doesn't get it as an assist because he did, you know, he shot, the keeper saved it, and then the rebound was tucked in. So he was also involved in that third goal. A lot of people don't know that. And again, there, there's also bad news, obviously, like Venezia got relegated, which mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of already saw this coming. But I think the worst news of them all, before we go to all the good news, um, it's Luca del Torre and Heracles. They're in the relegation zone and they're going to have to play the relegation playoff in the Eredivisie. Uh, and he did get an assist in that game. But Pete, you said you wanted to talk about this good weekend. So I'm going to let you take over from here. Real quick on Heracles, it might not be bad news. Because if they get relegated, he might get sold. And maybe that will be a good thing for Luca. You know, there was some thoughts flying around on Twitter how Luca must not be that good because, you know, they're getting relegated. And that's just a, a real problem with our superficial analysis. Anybody who's watched De La Torre, and not only watched him, but even just looked at his advanced stats for Heracles knows that he's probably been one of their best players this season. And that's not hyperbolic in terms of chance creation, in terms of defensively, in terms of skill and technique, he's been winning man of the match performances like every other week for a long time now for Heracles. So he's doing his best for a very poor team or a team that's struggling in, in, you know, the Dutch first division, which unlike Matt Doyle says is actually better than MLS. So let's keep that in mind. Are you sure? Yes. I'm it's sure. Not, too. It's I just not want to make sure. It's not close. Okay. Yeah. See, the, the, the best teams in MLS would be about mid table in Eredivisie at best, in my opinion. Well, MLS. the best teams in MLS are probably about even with Heracles. Yeah. That's probably the level we're talking about there. But, anyways, so I don't think it's terrible news, you know, if they get relegated, but hopefully they don't. We'd, we'd rather see him, you know, stay up and help to keep them up if he can. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good news and and it's been rough, right? A lot of guys have been injured. Some guys have been in bad form. So it's been difficult. Well, you know, I'm sure for you doing the Monday breakdown report on YouTube, Americans Abroad has been tough, but we just got to ride these waves and not overreact. You know, I think we have a tendency sometimes to overreact to one bad weekend or one good weekend, right? It's like with all of our guys in Europe, they're going to have good weeks and bad weeks, just like most players on the planet who are not the top 30 players in the world, you know, even in top five leagues, even in champions league clubs, they'll have bad weeks and that's okay. Right. Especially when you're young, there's a certain amount of inconsistency that can come with being young And I just think as fans, we can probably be better about not overreacting to either good weeks or bad weeks and just keeping more of an equilibrium when it comes to our player evaluations and our, you know, I guess our attitude about American players abroad. So I also think that a lot of the issues the Americans are having abroad is because of the agents and poor decision, poor guidance of where to go, the proper team. Like, I still think it's too early to say Pepe's transfer was a disaster. It's too, too early. early. He Way still early. needs he still needs a preseason, a full season in Bundesliga. Then sure, if by the not this not the ne- not even the next season, if by the other season he's still struggling and not working it with this team, then yeah, it was a bad decision. But we do have to say a few things. When he moved to Augsburg, 
we talked about it for, and I'm getting completely off topic, Pete here. <laughs> no, no, good. Just yeah. go for it. Um, when he moved to Augsburg, we brought in to the channel, Josh, a Canadian Josh from JGD TV that is a Dortmund fan and watches the Bundesliga for years. We brought in Manuel Veth that covers Bundesliga professionally for over a decade and is German too. And they've all said the same thing. They said, I mean, Augsburg plays terrorist soccer. <laughs> yeah, they play that, terrible soccer. Terrorist soccer. That's what I call it. But, <laughs> but but they do that. And 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 it's and for a center forward, it's hard for you to get touches, get opportunities to score. And and that's literally what happened with Ricardo Pepe and any center forward in a team like that. So even even next season or the following season, if Augsburg is with the same team, there's no investment, nothing improves style of play. I think it doesn't matter how much better Pepe gets. There's only so much you can do in that team as a center forward, unless you're a Lewandowski, which we know Pepe's not that. So I, I don't know. I have some questions in regards to this transfer. Not that it, it will be a failure on Pepe. I just don't think it will work out because of the way they play. Now, unless we see some changes at the club, it's just not going to work for him. You're not going to be an effective center. Like, can you see any Augsburg center forward hitting a double-digit goal in Bundesliga the way they no. play? It's not going to happen. Well, I've got several thoughts on this. One, how many 19-year-old center forwards in the top five leagues are producing regularly? How, how many, many are starting? How many are starting, first of all? How many are getting regular minutes? Yeah, there are a few. Like the top guys in the world, like Joao Felix. And he's not even 19 years old. He's like 21, right? How many 19-year-olds in a top five league playing center forward, starting for their club, and getting goals? There's very few. Pepe doesn't even turn 20 until December, right? He's still extremely young. We forget this. Uh, in fact, Pepe's still eligible for the under-20 under, under uh, CONCACAF championship this July. He's not going to go to it, but that just tells you you have to be patient with Pepe. Look at uh, Raul Jimenez. Failed. So many places he went. Was a huge failure at Benfica. And then goes to Wolves in his mid to late 20s and puts it all together and became one of the top, top forwards in the Premier League. So I just think... Again, we rush to judgment too quickly. The other thing that tells me Pepe is not doing poorly is he's not getting chances. Now, if Pepe was getting easy chances and missing sitters on a regular basis for Augsburg, then that would be cause for concern. Is he misplacing passes all the time, giving the ball away cheaply? Yeah, he's had a few moments like that, but not regularly enough to say that it's Pepe's fault or it's a problem with Pepe. I think Pepe's doing his best in a rough situation at a very young age, and we need to be patient with him and be supportive and let him take his time to put it all together. We, we need to not rush to judgment so quickly on a 19-year-old player. And that's really important. I'm judging more the club than the player there, though. Yeah, that's a different story. You can argue, was it the best move right now? Could he maybe have stayed in Dallas one more season? You know, I don't know. We don't know the answer to that. But people saying he's a flop, I just, I disagree with that. And I want to push back against that in the strongest possible terms well the only ones that say he's a flop are the l3 fans no i've seen some americans saying it's embarrassing that you know now it's going to affect how americans are viewed in europe stop one american does not affect how americans are viewed in europe the collection of american players performances you know if that's the case why not just look at christian pulisic or weston mckinney and say oh their performances mean no one's going to you know spend big money on americans anymore no, they're not. Everybody understands there's an attrition rate, right? People like they get 
players all the time that doesn't work out. And they don't go, all right, we're not getting anybody else from Senegal now because this guy who happened to be from Senegal didn't work out in the first six months. No. Guys, well, I also don't think anyone's judging that in regards to Pepe, especially six months. They're well aware of that, right? Real Madrid, when they, and for Christ's sakes, please, people, I'm not comparing Pepe to Vinicius Jr., okay? Not no, you're saying, making a good point, though. I'm making a point that when Vinicius got to Real Madrid for 50 or 60 million euros, it was crazy because he was 16 when they signed him, and he only moved there when he was 18. They paid that before he had a professional game, which is crazy to think of. Yeah. Uh, and he wasn't good the first season, and he wasn't good the second season, and he wasn't good the third season. But Real Madrid was patient with the kid, and he has like 40 or close to 40 goal contributions today. He's the second most important player in that team offensively, right, alongside Karim Benzema, which is maybe even the most informing best center forward in the world currently. And that's because it, it took him four seasons to – show what he actually is right? right so pepe could when he's 23 become an effective center forward in bundesliga or whatever it is um but in regards to the americans yeah you talked about the updates on monday they've been quite depressing lately especially after west there were it was worse a few weeks ago there was a uh, there was a week where there was just like injuries the reports were just injuries <laughs> Yeah. There was a week that was like that. So the injuries seem to have gone down. I don't remember reporting on any injuries the past two weeks. And some players have been consistently playing. Some played better. The The updates definitely got better. And since I script that whole thing every time I do it, um, and I'm sure Dustin, when he's editing too, he probably got like, <laughs> just like start like getting a little tear every week. <laughs> Oh, it's like every that. week just like wait 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 this is the report everyone's injured no one scored everyone's benched everyone's relegated it's like things got better and i think we're gonna start to see a lot of improvements with americans abroad around 2024 two seasons from now i think we're probably gonna see a more established Eunice musa starting for whatever club he is giovanni yeah. reina chris richards Weston Tyler, which probably has to leave Leipzig if he wants to be a locked in starter somewhere. It doesn't really fit. We yeah. talked about that before. Or even uh, Brendan Aronson at that at that point. Yeah. Be really so, even before that. So I think 2024 is when we'll start to see like more consistent good news, right? Happen. There'll still be bad. There'll still be injuries. That's gonna yeah. happen. But more consistent good news, I think we're still probably two years away. Next season, don't be deluded. It's still going to have a lot of ups and downs. These guys are still very young. Some of them just arrived in the league. It's still going to be a messy season overall. Yeah. I mean, look, if you have right now, we have between 20 to 25 players playing in Europe's top 20 or so leagues, 15, maybe 15 leagues. You know, it's you need a lot, right? You need 50. There are lots of Brazilians who are nowhere near the national team who are having poor performances in Europe. But you don't worry about them because you have all these better ones. If you have 50 guys, which I think in two to three years, I think it'll be fair to say we'll have 40 to 50 Americans playing in Europe at that point. And some of them will have good weeks and some of them won't. There will be lots of good news. So I'm not worried. Um, I'm not freaking out. I think this week was encouraging. And, you know, ride those waves as they come, guys, because it isn't always going to be always good news. You just got to enjoy the ride that is being a, a national team fan, you know. But, yeah, Tack, do you have anything more to say on that or should we move on? No, I just think one, one thing and then we can move on to Uruguay. It's just that a lot of these players also that are moving from MLS to one of these leagues, there's a lot of adjustments they have to make to their game plan, uh, game play of yeah. intensity. And we're going to get to that very soon, more on the Jesus Ferreira section. 
um, of all these adjustments. And I think Pepe is also a prime example of that. Being able to get goals with a very bad Dallas team from last season. It was bad yeah. last season. They're good now. Worse than they were this year. Much worse. Oh, way worse. They're good this season. They were horrible last season. Um, and Dallas fans know this. And now they're good. And Pepe still managed to get, what, 13 goals in the season? Yeah. While he goes to Augsburg, which is also not a good Bundesliga team, right? They were about what FC Dallas was in MLS last season. And it doesn't, there's not that many chances. The game's tougher, right? Yeah. And and they'll learn that. But but let's go to the Uruguay roster. Yeah. So Uruguay dropped their roster a couple of days ago for their friendlies against the USA. And are they playing Mexico at the other game? I believe Mexico and Jamaica. So they're playing three games. Yes. Wow. So they're really focusing on CONCACAF here. That's interesting. Um, yeah. And it's a very, very strong roster. I mean, you, you look up and down that roster, the vast majority of this roster is not only playing in top five leagues in Europe and even Champions League teams, but key players for those teams, right? Leaders on those teams. This is going to be a very firm test. Could you just give me a quick breakdown of just a possible starting lineup for Uruguay in the World Cup so that people understand who they are and what's going on here. So starting 11 for Uruguay, I don't know the formation that Diego Alonso will go. We've seen a 4-4-2. We've seen a 4-2-3-1, right? The 4-4-2 allows him to play Suarez and Cavani together, Suarez and Darwin Nunes, right? So we could see a 4-4-2, but you want to just go based off that? Four four two. Yeah, sure. I mean, just yeah. basically give a rundown of who's likely to start, even if it's nine or ten guys. So, Roche, Sergio Rochette is their new goalkeeper, right? He's around 28, 29 years old. Uh, originally, it was Muslera. And for a good part of World Cup qualifying, it was Muslera, yeah. the goalkeeper. And he's old, playing for Galatasaray, and they, they benched him. Uh, Diego Alonso benched him. So, I'm assuming Sergio Rochette from Nacional and Uruguay is the starting goalkeeper. And with that, I believe that He's the only domestic player that they have that will start, right? The right back will probably be Araujo, I'm, I'm assuming. Could be and where Araujo. Does he play? Where does he play? Barcelona. Barcelona. So Araujo. <laughs> and then the, the center backs is where I have some question here, right? They're going to play with two center backs, and it can be Jimenez from Atletico Madrid, mm-hmm. Cáceres from Sporting Lisboa, which is the captain of Sporting Lisboa, or, or Godin, which everyone should remember Godin from Atletico Madrid Inter Milan. He plays now for Atletico Mineiro in Brazil, the current Brazilian champions. Yeah. I don't know who will be the two starters for Alonso. Uh, a Uruguayan expert probably can go towards that. But regardless, these are the three best options. And these are two, three very good center backs. And Araujo can play there too if needed. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I know the Uruguayan side, but I don't know it in depth as much as I know U.S. and Brazil. So I don't know also if the right back position, maybe they have a better option there and they can put Araujo. In, but they don't need yeah. to. They can put Araujo there in the right back. The point and is they have tons of quality in that back line. Yeah. And then left back position, um, Oliveira will probably be their left back. Uh, Oliveira, if I'm not mistaken, he probably played. I think he plays for Getafe. If I'm yeah, not mistaken. he plays in La Liga. Yeah, I think he plays at Getafe. And the backup option of Oliveira is Matias Vigna that plays for Roma. Um, and he used to he was at Palmeiras' team uh, when they won the Libertadores two years ago. So he's a good left back, good in South America. Struggling with minutes now under Jose Mourinho, but he was doing good there in Roma for a while and was established at Palmeiras. Now, the left midfielder, uh, but let me go to the two, the two center mids right now. Um... The two center mids that they would play, I'm actually not sure who Uruguay would play in the two center mids. One of them is Bittencourt 
for sure. Yeah, for sure. And people say, and this is where I find interesting. You had put up a sort of a lineup mashup between U.S. and Uruguay, and you had Bittencourt there ahead of Yunus Musa. And a lot of people were unhappy about that. Guys, just because Bittencourt has been somewhat poor for Juventus this season, he's still a much better player than Yunus Musa. He's been uh, fine at Tottenham. He moved there and he's been fine. Yeah, like this idea that Bittencourt is a is now bad because he, you know, maybe wasn't as good at Juve as some people liked him. It's just not. Musa doesn't even start most games for Valencia, right? So, perspective, perspective is important. Not just that, Bittencourt was a very good player at Boca Juniors, which earned his move to Juventus, and he was not good at Juventus. He was worse than Weston McKinney for sure. Yeah, but he wasn't that bad too. Okay, it's no. also the steady and then he moves to Tottenham. And he's been fine in the Premier League. So he's not a bad player. And then Uruguay usually plays Valverde as a central midfielder. I know Real Madrid plays him wide, but they usually play Valverde there. So I think it would probably be Betancourt and Valverde from Real Madrid. Yeah. Uh, then the two players that are wide in the 4-4-2, it likely would be Ahascaeta on the left and Facundo Pelestri on the right. Facundo Pelestri belongs to Manchester United. And he plays for, I think he was on a loan at La Liga for Deportivo Alaves, I think. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think he played at Matt Miazga's team. That I could be, but he's in La Liga on a loan, but he belongs to Mancher. And on the left is Ahascaeta, which is probably the most underrated player in this team. Yeah. Extremely technical attacking midfielder. Probably the best player for Flamengo and has been one of the best field players in South America for years. Was amazing at Cruzeiro. Extremely talented. And, and some disagree with this, but in terms of playing at the left wing, he has different attributes from Pulisic, but he's about that level, right? He yeah. can play in the Premier League if they just gets a lot of money and he lives in Rio de Janeiro. If you're making a lot of money and living in Rio de Janeiro, why would you leave? Yeah. Um, and it's a competitive league, Libertadores and all that. And Ahasqueta, will still see. He's, he'll play wide, but he's a player that holds the ball a lot. Very technical, can put through balls, creative. He's a creator. You're not going to see him getting the ball like Pulisic and trying to slice and dice the defense. That's not his game. It'll be something more similar to Reina. Something more similar to how Reina is. Um, and then, I mean, up top, I don't have to talk about those players, right? They'll probably play with two guys up top or maybe the 4-2-3-1. But if they go on a 4-4-2, it'll probably be Cavani and Suarez or Cavani and Nunes or Nunes and, and Suarez. The and, fact that one of the top scorers in the Portuguese league this season probably won't get the start for Uruguay because here's two guys still ahead of him should tell us a lot about where you know how much quality this team has. I think he'll start. I think he will start. But I if think he doesn't start, then either Cavani or Suarez, probably Cavani will be on the bench. I think Cavani will be on the bench. Um and, and I mean this team, it's not just that. I just gave you the starting eleven. They also have uh, Lucas Toreda. You remember yeah. from from Arsenal, Atletico. I think he's at at Rocco's team, Fiorentina. Diego Rossi. Diego Rossi is on the bench of this he's team. One of the I best think players he, in MLS while he was here. Yeah, he's probably the backup of Ahascaeta, probably. Um, I would say if he makes it. I know Facundo Torres from Orlando City has been playing well. Sometimes yeah. he's in the in back in in and out of the lineup. So. It's not just the starting 11. I gave you the starting 11. I also gave you some extra players and more. This team has... A ton um, of quality. A ton. And I did the combined 11, remember? I did the combined 11 with the United States and and, and Uruguay on a 4-4-2. Yeah. And there's only three Americans that made it. Um, Who are those three? Uh, Dest on the right back. 
uh, because I personally think he's a better option than Araujo yeah. at the right back. And 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 then McKenney in the midfield. I moved Valverde to the right midfield because he can play there. Has shown yeah. that in Real Madrid. I put McKenney and Bittencourt in the midfield, and Christian Pulisic. I put him over Ahascaeta, which. Uh, personal preference, yeah, I would probably go with um, Pulisic. But if someone goes and says, I would go with Ascaeta, I would say, yeah, I mean, that's fair. He's that's not fair far off. No, but Weston, to me, is the one that's clear there. Weston in the midfield, yeah, that's to me, that's a, a lock-in for the United States and Uruguay. But again, it's going to be a big challenge. This is a very good team. I know you talked to me about this many times, how you expect this team to possibly be a dark horse in the World Cup too. Yeah, I mean, maybe not a dark, dark horse to win it but a dark horse to do well, right? Maybe make a semifinal um, toss. I have more faith in this Uruguay team than I do in Belgium. And that's, you know, I, maybe that's not that like, you know, uh, outrageous thing to say based on, if you look at Belgium's aging squad, I just think they're going to not do as good as some people expect them to. But it's a good team. Now we don't know if they're going to play the starting lineup against us, or if they're going to give chances to a lot of subs. Uh, so we don't know the quality of the team that we're going to face. And also, we don't know how much intensity they're going to bring. Oftentimes, two things can happen. Sometimes the backups can bring that intensity because they want to show that they deserve a spot at the World Cup, especially in a World Cup year, right? They're trying to impress the coach. They're trying to not only solidify their place on the roster, but fight for a starting place maybe, right? So that's good because that'll bring intensity, but then you just have a little less quality from the backups. On the other, the flip side of that is, if he goes with the starters, a lot of these guys know they're going to be at the World Cup almost what they, no matter what they do. Luis Suarez is going to the World Cup, right? Valverde is going to the World Cup. So, you know, maybe they, they, they don't have that same pressure to deliver in a friendly. And also, sometimes they don't want to get injured in a friendly. That's important to these guys, right? Especially in a World Cup year. Everyone's a little bit cautious about injuries. So they maybe don't give it a full intensity. And, and that, you know, that sucks a little bit for us because we want that. But even so, the quality of this team, even the B, the B team here, at playing at 70 or 80% is still better than anything we faced in CONCACAF, in my opinion. So this will be good for us. They're also bringing a 35 or 36-man roster. So he, Diego Alonso definitely wants to rotate. Can right? somebody send that roster to Greg and tell him it's okay to bring 35 guys? <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be 26 guys, Greg. It's okay. Like... You have four games. Bring I mean, a maybe US soccer, US soccer's trying to cut cost. Maybe. Maybe. That might be it. But, but they have no problem bringing an injured Aaron Long. So I don't know how much the cost cutting is actually important. But Pete, before we move on to the, the next topic, which is Jesus Fajer in the center forward, I want to thank our sponsor, DraftKings, for once again sponsoring this podcast. And I know, I know this is a soccer podcast, but right now the NBA playoffs are taking action. And I mean, this Sunday there was a pretty good, okay, it wasn't that good of a game. There was two game sevens and they weren't that good. So now a big thank you to the DraftKings for sponsoring and make sure to download their app Sportsbook right now and use the promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's the promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook app, okay? Make sure to download DraftKings. Thank you very much for sponsoring and use the code TBPN and check out some soccer betting too, not just NBA if you don't enjoy basketball. I know Pete doesn't watch it that much. <laughs> yeah, we also have a review here from iTunes. As I said before, we'll keep you know reading one review per episode. Uh, best content, five stars by MS10790. 
I have been asking for your podcast. Great to have you two, my most favored soccer content producers. You guys combine knowledge and entertainment together very well. Followers like your honest take and in-depth analysis on USMNT and its players and coach. Thank you very much. And thanks to every single one of you who gave us five stars on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it very much. And once again, thank you, DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast and use the code TBPN. All right. So now let's go to Jesus Ferreira, and I'll leave that to you, Pete. Yeah. So Jesus Ferreira scored two more goals against the LA Galaxy this last weekend, um, which brings him to nine goals in 11 games, which is an impressive, you know, goal tally. He's the top scorer in MLS right now. And it's good to see an American doing that because in the past, it wasn't always Americans up there, right? It was a lot of foreign DPs. So that's really good to see. Jesus Ferreira will certainly be in the June camp. No question about it. Some people want him to be our unquestioned starting nine. I'm not ready to say that yet for several reasons. Number one, what we've seen with Pepe and others, even Diego Ross, uh, not uh, Atuesta, for example, guys who produce in MLS or even look at Christian Roldan, right? Been really good for Seattle for probably the last two years. And that form, for whatever reason, has not translated to the national team. So I'm definitely want to give Jesus Ferreira a start in one of these, you know, June friendlies and see how he does, but I'm not ready to just reward him based on MLS form and just sort of crown him as the starter. I need to see more for the national team, right? He hasn't really, and there are some people who are going to dispute this, but he hasn't really produced for the national team in the albeit limited minutes that he's gotten. No, so, it wasn't even limited minutes. It wasn't limited. He got enough minutes. He, I believe he only scored against Panama, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, he scored against Panama. He missed a couple sitters in other games too, specifically the one against El Salvador, which was... Wasn't Panama a sitter too that he scored? Uh, that was a sitter, yes. That was a few yards out from goal. So that was pretty much a sitter that he probably should have done better with. Um, but you know, let's look at his actual minutes over world cup qualifying. He got, he wasn't in the gold cup. He played, he only got really two starts, one against El Salvador, right? Where he did not, where he missed that sitter and he got the other start against Panama. So that's two games. He also got 30 minutes against Costa Rica. And then he played a combined 14, 12 and eight minutes against Mexico jamaica and honduras which he so, missed a sitter again no not a sitter but he missed a good chance against mexico on the dosa cero also yeah not a sitter not a sitter but it was a good chance yeah so no not that wasn't the dosa cero one that was the one away i believe no it was dosa cero that he missed a good chance because i even made a joke about how he didn't want to mess up the dosa cero oh that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But he played eight minutes there so overall he's gotten about three 250 minutes and has one goal For me, that's not exactly you're the starting center forward. And remember, our standard now should not be CONCACAF. We're going into the World Cup. The standard is, can you deliver against top teams in the world or even B teams, you know, second like level teams like Uruguay or Belgium or, you know, Croatia or Poland or Switzerland. And I just haven't seen that yet from Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind for these, a lot of players, honestly. I'm keeping an open mind. Even Walker Zimmerman, I want to see how he does in June against better opponents because with a lot of these guys, we've really only seen them in MLS or against CONCACAF opposition. And hopefully these matches will be telling to see if he can deliver. I think that you have time and space in MLS. And at Dallas, they have a system, right? They basically took Greg's system, right? Because Nico Estevez is the coach. 
except he's got time to work with his players on it, right? And he's got MLS defensive, which let's be honest, we all know MLS defending is not the best. And so you can look pretty good in MLS and still not deliver for the national team. Paul Ariola and Christian Roldan are prime examples of that, right? So I like Jesus. I think he could be in Qatar as, as a roster member. Uh, but more importantly, I want to see how he does in June before I'm ready to award him the number one. We have a tendency to go, this guy's scoring goals. Therefore, he should be our guy. Okay. What's his profile, right? Can he, you know, get, can he get on the end of crosses? We put a lot of crosses in the box. Is Jesus Ferrer the guy that's getting on the end of crosses? Not really. Certainly not against the best defenders in the world. Is he fast on the counterattack? Again, not really. His holdup game is decent. I'll give him that. And he has some decent technique. But again, we've seen the application of that technique in MLS, where you have time and space. We need to see him against tougher opposition and then evaluate him. That Those are my Ferreira thoughts. What are yours? Yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind when people talk about Ferreira is I, I, I've been trying to watch as much as I can, and I just don't figure out what he's good at. And people mm-hmm. are going to hate what I'm saying. He doesn't win headers. That's not his game. I don't think his holdup game is good. I don't think it's good. I think it's he can work in MLS because they give him enough time. But we've seen in CONCACAF, every time he gets bodied, he's pushed around so easily. Yeah. His finishing is not good. I don't care what people say. It's just not good. It's not okay. Let me put it in a different way. His his finishing is not bad or good. It's average for yeah, a center forward. For a he's center a forward. Decent finisher. Yeah. He's not a bad finisher. He does miss some good opportunity, but many good center forwards do as well. He's definitely not fast, right? He doesn't really, he's not the type of player that's going to beat players off a dribble and outpace them. That's not no. what it is. Can't muscles. So is that the center forward you want starting for your national team? Can he be an in option? A world sure. cup, in a World especially. Cup. And, and well, even World Cup qualifying, he wasn't effective for us when he played. So another thing to add with MLS, and, and I, I say the same thing about Haji Wright, because I used to follow the Turkish League much more when Alex David used to play for Fenerbahce, Quaresma in the 2010-2011 season playing for Bejiktas. Um, who else played there that I remember? Felipe Melo for Galatasaray. I used to follow it more, and the teams used to be better. The Turkish League is worse than it used to be. Now, it does have more intensity than MLS, still does, regardless of level of play. Yeah. But, Mike, I do question players based on where they play when they are getting results because you get a Twista that you mentioned there as an example. A Twista was a fantastic player in MLS. Fantastic. So good that when he got the move to Palmeiras in South America, there were a bunch of MLS fans saying that he was too good for that, that he should have gone to Europe, he was ready. Well, guess what? It's been six months. A twist that can't start for Palmeiras. When he comes in, he hasn't been good. And Brazil has a very heavy schedule, so they do rotate. If the schedule was lighter, a twist would not be seeing the field. It's that crazy. And that's South America. That's not Europe, which the level is better. Yeah. And that's a twist. He would probably start for every single MLS team. It would be a DP probably for most teams. Yes, exactly. And, And he goes to Palmeiras. And which many people at the time thought it was the wrong move. He could play in Europe. Well, guess what? He can't play for Palmeiras. <laughs> so, well, not just that. Look at Raul Diaz and uh, Nico Lodero, arguably yeah. the best players for the best MLS team right now. Just won CONCACAF Champions League. Very effective. You don't see any Uruguay fans asking for Nico Lodero to be in their national team. Mm-mm. Even Peru. Who Peru is probably closer to the U.S. than Uruguay in terms of talent and quality, right? The A U.S. has more talent than Peru. 
the US yeah. is more known. But they're not asking for Auri Diaz to be included, despite the fact that he's scoring goals endlessly in MLS. That doesn't mean he can't be a contributor for Peru, right? Maybe off the bench. But they understand that the league that they play in a lot allows, especially attackers, lots of time and space to do their thing. Time and space that you just won't be afforded at a higher level. And that's true. This is not an anti-MLS thing. That's true in Turkey as well. Yes, the game of the the you know the speed of the game is is there. It's faster. The intensity and the pressure is more. And I like Haji Wright. You know, I think this season he has not produced. He didn't produce at Schalke. He did start to kind. He didn't produce in in the Eredivisie. Denmark was where he started finally scoring goals before he went to Antalya Spor. And and so we have Denmark and and Turkey as the two leagues that he started scoring goals in. But again. Let's not just look at goals. Let's look at player profile. What is Haji Wright good at? And as anybody can tell you, and I've watched a lot of Haji Wright, he's a big guy. He's probably closer to a Jordan Peefock or a Daryl DK. I think he's a lot more mobile than, than Jordan Peefock. He can actually take players on on the dribble. We saw that this last weekend, and I've seen that in the past too. And he's a pretty decent finisher in Turkey. What's bizarre about Haji Wright is when it comes time to win balls in the air, for somebody who's six foot four, he's not particularly good at it. And that's a little bit of a worry for me because if you're six foot four and that big, you should be holding off players, winning balls in the air, winning flick-ons, scoring more goals with your head. He doesn't really do that, right? And again, his hold-up play is not bad in Turkey. I'll give him that. And I want to see him in June. I want to see how he does. But I'm not getting too excited about anybody who's scoring goals in even the Turkish league, because I'm not convinced that's going to translate in Qatar. Now, Jordan P. Fox injured. Josh Sargent is injured. Pepe will likely get a rest. So those are our realistic options for, for this June camp. It's Jesus Ferreira, you know, Haji Wright, and then maybe Malik Tillman, who, by the way, the Germany under 21 roster dropped today. And this is the first time Malik Tillman is not on it. Could mm-hmm. that speak to the fact that he will be there in June? I did another video on Malik Tillman. I'm not convinced he's ready to be our senior team striker either. I don't mind that he comes into June camp and you have a look at him and see what he, you know, what he can offer. But I, I'm not prepared to to crown anybody just yet. I want it's a wait and see mentality right now. I also want to add one thing too because people love to talk about Josh Sargent and not scoring goals in the Premier League, right? If we put we just saw it with Pepe, the experiment of Pepe in Bundesliga, he didn't score. If you put Jesus Ferreira in the Premier League, or even Haji Wright in the Premier League, they're probably going to get one goal all season if they if they get minutes. Yeah, it depends on how many you know chances they get to score. Josh Sargent doesn't get chances to score. They rarely no. create chances, and he's always playing on the right wing well, and doing a lot because of defensive it's a, work. It's a league. like That level of the league, the intensity and how prepared the defenses are, it's tough to score. It's yeah. tough to find space. The, the defenders are stronger, faster, more alert, smarter. It's Except better. for Harry Maguire. <laughs> Except for Harry Maguire. I'm surprised Sargent didn't score. Okay, Jesus Fejeda and Haji Wright would score on Harry Maguire. That would count. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it would be hard because De Gea is pretty damn good. So that would be the tough part. Yeah. But And look, but, Josh Sargent has two goals in the Premier League, two assists, and then two more goals in the FA Cup. Or the, I think is the League's Cup, I'm sorry, against a first division team. That's probably better than any other American forward would do right now in yeah. the Premier League. And one thing to add is it's not... This is not a general rule, right? There are MLS players that can be very effective in a very high level. Many of them, right? Seba Mendes plays for Ecuador. Pretty good in common ball. Very good. Jack Harrison. Other, Jack Harrison. Uh, there's, well, he's not there now, but 
but he but was like, he was at New York, yeah. and then he took some time. He started off at Middlesbrough, right? He went to the championship first. He developed in the championship, and then he went to Leeds. No, but what I meant is there's players in MLS now that are playing MLS and can still be effective at a high level. We've seen yeah. this uh, in many – and we've seen in the past Lyndon Donovan, right, playing in MLS and still being capable of performing at a high level against tougher competition. So, yeah, it can and happen. Dempsey. Dempsey. But but overall, um, when it's the case, what we're trying to say is because Jesus is scoring in MLS or because Haji is scoring in Turkey, you do have to take it with a grain of salt of where yeah. it's happening. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty much all with that. But Pete, um, to the last topic, which is more of reporting than anything, uh, there's some dual national news that came out today. So I think it's worth us mentioning it. One is Marcelo Flores officially committed to Mexico instead yeah. of Canada. Right. And I guess he was still, he was also eligible for England, I guess. Um, <laughs> but he wasn't going to get there. So no. uh, he committed to Mexico very early. I don't know why he's committing now because he's not a senior team player yet. So he could have just waited. Yeah. But like many other players have done this with Mexico, and I don't quite get it. Like David Ochoa commits to Mexico to not play. So he could have just waited. Um, Julian, well, Julian Araujo is actually getting some chances there because Chaka is just horrendous. And then yeah. they put um, Sanchez and then him. Uh, but other players, well, Jonathan Alvarez, Efra Alvarez committed super early without being a player. It, it's just weird that they're doing this it makes me question a little bit of what is this federation promising them yeah um what are they saying to convince them because I, the way i personally see it is this i'm marcelo flores um the national team is not calling me up right now because i'm not even playing with adults i'm still yeah. in the arsenal u23s so they're not going to realistically call me right now no. So, okay, hey, I want to play for Mexico, but whenever you guys feel like I'm good enough to play for you, call me and I'll make that decision, right? Yeah. Rather than just announcing it today, like, it doesn't add up. Like, Pepe, when he committed to the United States, we needed him to play. Yeah, and we played him. And we played him a lot. And we still He's our top scorer in, qual in yeah. qualifying. Yeah, we, we didn't call him just, hey, let's cap Titus. He's like, no, we have a center forward problem. This kid's scoring MLS. Let's give him a shot. He happens yeah. to be a dual national. Pepe, are you in or are you out? You're in? Come on. We need you to play. Now, Mexico calls up all these players just either to cap tight him or just, just – they don't play. It doesn't make sense to me why they're committing. I don't know what they're being promised. Congratulations to Mexico. You guys finally got a prospect that's not 24 yeah, um, it'll be good for you guys to have a real prospect for a change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but again, it's funny because Arsenal's paying millions for a winger from Brazil that's 18, the same age as Marcelo Flores, Marquinhos from Sao Paulo. It's yeah. weird. If they have Marcelo Flores there, why are they paying millions for a Brazilian winger? Yeah, he's going to have to go on loan somewhere, maybe next season. I don't even think the championship he's ready for. I think maybe Holland or Belgium or Austria. Go on loan, Portugal. Try to, you know, try to, to see how you do there first because you're nowhere near Arsenal level. Balogun was scoring every freaking game in the same league he was playing, the U23s. Yeah. Balogun was scoring. Then he goes to Middlesbrough, struggles in the championship, and, and got benched. Yeah. So, I, And these I were the, see, a lot of people calling for Balogun to be on the national team, and he can't even really produce. I watched Marcelo Flores play live here, and the kid is extremely technical. There's no doubt about that. Very yeah. small still, can get by very easily with adults, still has to grow. And we need to see how this, this technique that he has will translate to a high-intensity grown man league. 
That's what we need to see. Now, but but I do think that it was a major win for Mexico, to put it that way. Because every time you can grab a dual national that there is talent and there's the potential he'll be a great player, it's a win. So for Mexico, it's a win. It was a loss for Canada. And then other news broke today that Richie Ledesma was getting his Mexican passport and was committing 203, which was a lie. Not the Mexican Not passport. The passport is true. He's trying to get yes. it. But guys, getting a Mexican passport. We talked about this with Kate Cow. remember? Getting yep. a Mexican passport and committing 203 are two different things. Me and Pete talked about this. If we could get a Mexican passport, we would get it. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't mean we would play for Mexico. Tedesma is doing the smart thing. He's keeping his options open. He is not playing for PSV, although he did score. We forgot to mention this. He scored a goal this last weekend for the senior team. That was really good to see. They did but rotate, but he got finally got minutes with that, yeah. Sorry? He, he was playing mostly because they were rotating, I believe. Sure, but, but yeah. you know, he got minutes and he scored for PSV, which is a pretty good club. Um, he hasn't been called up to the national team. And the way Greg Berhalter wants to play, I think he should rightly be concerned that he may not get called up for quite some time. So he's going, well, let me keep my options open. I'm, I could also represent Mexico. All their prospects are 26. So, you know, why not? Um, I think he's doing the smart thing, and I don't really have any problem with him doing that. Uh, but keep showing him love. Keep uh, monitoring his performances. I wouldn't call him up to the national team just yet. I think he needs to be playing more regularly in a first division like in Holland, uh, even if he has to go out on loan next season, you know, to a lower uh, Dutch team still in their Eredivisie because PSV is a tough team to break into. But again, I, anybody trying to claim that he's he's switching allegiance, he's not. He's still wide open. Unlike these other dual nats, he's doing the right thing. He's keeping his options open until the time that he really has to choose. And hopefully he chooses us. Yeah, he also, his minutes haven't been good because he came back from the ACL injury midseason. He didn't have preseason. Very hard. Before, even like before he tore his ACL, he was trending up in PSV. And then he tore his ACL, came back midseason. I expect him to get more minutes next year when he's has a full preseason. Now he now he's back, right? Now he's back. Yes. So I expect him to do that. So that's pretty much all we have to say in regards to doing that. Is there anything else you want to add today, Pete? Uh, real quick on Jesse Marsh and Leeds. Uh, he's oh, got boy. one game. They did get a draw with uh, Brentford. Was it Brentford? No, Brighton. 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 He got in the last right minute, in, well, in the last extra, minute equalizer. Well, a couple minutes left after, but it was like at the 93rd or second minute. Yeah. So that keeps them alive. Uh, the fact that Everton drew helps them a little bit. And the fact that also uh, Burnley lost to Tottenham 1-0. So both Everton and Burnley have a game in hand. They will both play this midweek. It could be over before even the weekend. If they both win this weekend, then Jesse Marsh goes down. Midweek, you mean? Midweek, I'm sorry. If they both win in midweek, then it doesn't matter what happens this weekend. So I'm going to be monitoring those, rooting no, for no, both. No, Pete, if Burnley wins, Jesse still has a chance because they'll be two points ahead. If yeah, Everton okay. wins, he has to beat Brentford and then hope that Burnley loses to loses. I think it's Newcastle. Yes, which so I guess true. Newcastle Newcastle beat Arsenal, I think. Yeah, Newcastle's not an easy team. And Brentford has to play Aston, uh, not Brentford, Burnley has to play Aston Villa in midweek away. Yeah. So it's not that easy. It's They're beatable, for sure, but it's not that easy either, right? Uh, who is Everton playing? Do you know? Um, Everton's playing Crystal Palace and then Arsenal. Yeah, so it's not... I don't think Everton's in the clear either, right? I mean, they're one point ahead right now. But if they don't beat Crystal Palace, 
even if they draw with Crystal Palace, they're still in the relegation matchup. And that's going to be a fun weekend because you'll have three teams fight, you know, fighting to not get relegated to that last spot. Oh, I'm rooting for Jesse hard. It still doesn't look that good. You know, uh, do you, so before we get to that, since our next episode is going to be after right that round, um, does lead leads fall who, who falls Everton Leeds, or Burnley? Oh, this is really tough, man. It could, I mean, as an, like a pure non-American analyst Leeds looks to be in the worst form. So I have to give it to Leeds. but then again, Burnley isn't, I mean, one nil to Tottenham away is not bad losing one nil Burnley, but Everton after they beat Chelsea, they lost and drew. So they aren't exactly tearing it up either. And Everton still has to play Arsenal on the last day. Oh, man, it could really go down to the wire. It's so as close guy, to call. As a guy that has watched the Premier League the past 20 seasons, and I've seen some crazy stuff happen. Yeah. The Aguero goal in the championship. Oh, my God. There's some crazy relegation battles, even though sometimes the relegation, like last season, there's a big gap. Uh, right now, looking at the matchups and how things will go, Burnley will get relegated. All right. Yeah. I think that's a, probably a decent – I think it – the analyst in me says it might be Leeds, but the hopeful American fan in me says, hell no, Jesse will find a way to keep them up. The romantic in me thinks they're going to stay up. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and Jesse has been pretty damn lucky with those late goals, and that's what's going to get him through. I think Burnley is going to get relegated, uh, unfortunately, because they've been surviving the Premier League for the past what season? A few, right? Yeah. They've been a few surviving there. Um, so I think they're going to go down. All right, fingers crossed. I'll pro- If they're still alive, which they probably will be this last weekend, yeah, they will be alive for the weekend. I'll probably do a live stream of the game. Just a, you know, a Jesse Marsh watch along uh, to see if he can, you know, we can have an American in the Premier League again next season and last longer than Bob Bradley did. So, mm-hmm. guys, thanks for listening. Any last thoughts, Tech? No, just drop a review if you guys can and have a great day, everyone. Talk to you soon.